If you have a Bible today, you're going to want to open it to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to pick up where we left off. Today we're going to look at one more, uh, I'm going to say kind of final passage in the book of, of Colossians. Obviously we aren't near to the end of the book, but we're going to put a bookmark at the end of today's sermon. Next couple of weeks I've got some Christmas-oriented sermons that I want to preach. And then in the month of January, Pastor Garrett's going to come and, and bring a series of messages. When we get to February, we'll, we'll go back to that bookmark and, and we'll spend the early part of the spring finishing up the book of Colossians. So um, you can call this part one of two, I guess, something like that. But we are in Colossians chapter two. We've already heard Paul discuss the great riches we have in knowing Jesus. We've heard Paul acknowledge the importance of suffering as part of that growing up process. All of these things, everything we've talked about are important parts of what it means to grow up in our faith. We use the word salvation to describe the moment when somebody enters a relationship with God through Jesus. But the point I want to make today is that Christianity is about a whole lot more than salvation. Salvation is just the first step in Christianity. We have to be careful to, to understand and to recognize that. If salvation can be described, getting saved can be described as being born again. And it can, that's a biblical term. That's, that's the term that Jesus used to describe it. He said, it's like getting born again. So if we're talking about salvation and saying it's like being born again, then I think Christianity itself should be described as growing up. Getting saved is just about getting born again, but Christianity is about so much more than that. It's about now that you've been born, are you going to grow up? It's about growing up. Here's how Paul puts it in the passage we're looking at today, beginning in chapter 2, verse 6. He says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, parenthetically, we could say just as you got saved, just as you got born again, in the same manner, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow in thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. We've heard that again and again and again, haven't we? Christ is the head of every ruler and authority. That's where our bookmark goes for now. I am uh, not much of a gardener. My thumbs are a variety of different colors. None of them are green. Um, we've lived in our house, boy, almost 17 years now. And each year I try to do a little something to improve the landscaping. I try to do a little something, you know, cut this back, trim that back, but also plant. Just so that every year, hopefully it looks a little bit more respectable. Most of my neighbors are better at it than I am. Uh, one of the things I do, I've never done a huge overhaul of the entire landscape of, of, our, of our property, but every year I try and plant a few more flowers. A few times we've put in some, some new bushes. We even early in our time there put in a few new trees. So we plant just a few things every year. Uh, but as I said, I'm not a very good gardener, so some of them grow and, and some don't. 
Some of them really kind of take up and, and, and flourish and do really well, and some of them just kind of, and then they're gone. They're just gone. A few years ago, I put in a whole hedge of what I thought were going to be lovely uh, annual flowers. I'm sorry, perennial. Those are the ones that keep coming back, right? I, like I said, I don't really know anything. I put in a whole row of them right next to our garage. Um, not a single one of them ever did anything. I mean, usually I at least get like one little sprout and one little leaf that then withers, but they seriously not, like you wouldn't know that I put anything in, nothing ever came up. And I don't really know why. And some of you I'm sure know exactly why, and you could tell me, and, and with love, I would just tell you, I, I don't really care too much. I'm just doing my best. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Easy come, easy go, right? Um, some have grown well and some have not, but this much I can tell you, I know enough to know that the seed goes in the dirt, right? And so when the seeds or the bulbs, like with this row that I put in that didn't grow at all, I promise you the seeds went in the dirt. I didn't put them above the dirt. They're not in a shelf somewhere. They're not in a can. I didn't leave them in their packaging. The seeds went in the dirt. In other words, they got planted more or less the right way. I even, you're gonna be impressed with this, read the directions. So I know how deep to put them in the dirt and I know how far to spread them. But after that, I figure it's all on God. You know, I'm not gonna be out there cutting and watering and manicuring. After that, I'm off, I'm off the clock. It's on God from that point out. But I know that the seeds went into the ground like they were supposed to. They all started off the right way. But the ones that actually grow roots, those are the ones that flourish, right? The ones that never came up, I don't know what's going on under that soil. They certainly never took, they never germinated, they never rooted, and they were never seen again. That is what Paul is talking about in the passage we just read. Becoming a Christian or becoming born again, it's, it's like a seed being planted in the soil. It's a good start. But on its own, it's not sufficient to sustain life. I want you to hear that again and think about it because I think sometimes we don't understand that when we talk about our faith. Being born again is the good and right start. But on its own, it's not sufficient to sustain life. Jesus talked about that. He famously told a parable about seeds that were being planted. And he says a lot of those seeds can get planted and they can, they can take, you know, they can get into the dirt where they're supposed to be. But if the roots don't grow right, they aren't going to sustain life. And we need to remember that being born again is the right start. It's a good start, but on its own, it's not sufficient to sustain life. And Paul is pointing out that once you've become born again, now it's time to prioritize your connection to Jesus. He puts it this way in verse seven. He says, let your roots grow down into him. And then he gives us a second metaphor that essentially says the same thing. Let your lives be built on him. So we have two different word pictures here. I'm gonna concentrate mostly on the one about the, the plants letting our roots grow down deep. But Paul says you can think about it the same way if you, if you prefer about buildings. And we can all think of Bible stories about buildings being built on good foundations or bad foundations. In either case, the point is, before we think about how tall and how big and how beautiful this, this thing is going to be, we have to make sure that it's got the right base. We have to make sure that it has the right foundation. We have to make sure that the roots are healthy. I imagine, I think, 
that most every young believer, most every brand new believer wants to be great. They want to be great in the kingdom, not necessarily out of a sense of personal pride, like I want to be a hero in the faith. You know, some of us aren't necessarily in that vein, but I think all of us want to participate in the fullness of everything that we've read in the Bible, everything we've heard about Jesus, everything that we believe God has promised. We enter into the game wanting to experience the fullness of all of God's promises. We want to be bold and confident in our faith. We see people in our lives, maybe in our church, maybe in our families that we look up to because we feel like they have this this strength in their faith and and we're the noobs and, and we don't have that, but we would like to be like that someday. We want to experience the fullness of of godly wisdom. You know, we we just got born again and we feel like Christianity gives us this whole new lens with which to make decisions and see the world and and, and make choices. And and a lot of us got there because we recognize that the choices we made before we got there just weren't working out for us. And so we'd like to have this new source of wisdom. We'd like to have all that. We want to be like that. We want to be those people ultimately that, that others look up to for guidance in spiritual matters. We want our faith to be so strong that we no longer have to be labored by by earthly worries and earthly anxieties. Wouldn't it be nice if my faith was was someday strong enough that I didn't live day to day with, with all the worries and fears that I've known apart from Jesus? We want our testimony to be powerful so that our friends and our family who, who don't know Jesus come to know him like, like we've just met him. I think that's this the, the status that most of us have when we first come to faith, when we're first born again, we want all of those things. Like, give, give me all of it, Lord. We want it all. But I want you to think again about that plant. In that moment, we are like seeds that have gone down into the dirt, dreaming about strong, tall stems, dreaming about thick, leafy branches. We're dreaming about all the fruit that someday we're gonna produce. And we're dreaming about the stunning beauty of our flowers each spring. But what is God telling that seed to focus on in that moment? Are we supposed to be trying harder to grow tall? Are we supposed to be trying harder to produce fruit? I would argue, no, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says our first priority and really our only priority is to grow down deep. Focus on the roots. The roots are our connection. The roots have everything we need. Nothing else can happen if the connection to the roots is unhealthy. But if the roots are healthy, if we have a strong connection to Jesus, then everything else will happen. Not everything else might happen. No, no, no. Everything else will happen if the connection to Jesus is strong. It won't happen because of my great effort or my great ability. It will happen because strong plants with a strong connection to strong roots, you know what they do? They grow. Every time they grow, they flourish. It's what they do. Many Christians that I know are trying hard to make better decisions in their lives. Maybe they have a particular situation or a particular circumstance in mind that is kind of the crisis point of their life right now. And they want their wisdom branch to grow strong. They want their wisdom branch to be big and and flourishing and leafy and have all the fruit that it's supposed to have. And 
In that situation, they, they begin to use the Bible like a Google search engine, right? They, they open their concordance and they look for specific words and they make lists looking for that magic bullet verse that's going to answer their question. They like to listen to any sermon they can hear on that topic, any podcast they can listen to. They read every book they can find that has something to do with that particular topic. They research, they read, they ask, and they analyze ad nauseum. Don't get me wrong, I am obviously in favor of learning more, but I think there is a better long-term plan than that. You want your wisdom branch to grow strong? Well, then cultivate a stronger root system. Stop looking for the answers out there and instead develop a better connection to the one who can guide you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. I think another way of saying that is don't try and figure it out yourself. Instead, acknowledge him in everything you do. And what's he going to do? He's going to put your path straight. In other words, those tough decisions that you're trying to make, that wisdom you're, you're looking for, it's going to work out. It's going to work out. But in order to do that, you don't have to look for the, it doesn't say try and figure out if you need to turn right or if you need to turn left. He says, no, 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 focus back on your relationship to the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't try to figure this out yourself. Acknowledge him with everything you do, and he is going to take care of those decisions that you need to make. Let me give you another example. A lot of Christians I know are trying desperately to rid themselves of chronic worry and anxiety. It's epidemic today, isn't it, right? And when we're in those situations, really what we're saying is, God, I want my faith branch to grow bigger. I want my faith branch to grow stronger. If I had more faith, if my faith was leafing out and flourishing and fruitful, if all of that was happening, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so worried. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be so anxious all the time. I wish my faith branch was stronger. And so they do what I described in, in the other instance they use the bible like a search engine and they look for the keywords and they try and make a list of all the verses and they listen to all the sermons and they read all the books and they research and they develop the new techniques and i'm going to do this 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 and the other thing you know what i think is a better plan in the long run cultivate a stronger root system if you want a stronger faith branch don't work on the faith branch work on a better root system Develop a better connection to the one who sustains you. Prophet Isaiah in chapter 26 verse 3 says, To the Lord, he says, you will keep in perfect peace those who, what, do all the research and try and figure things out and, and you know, work really hard. No, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. Those who are working on the one thing. Those who have their right priority, and the priority is a connection to Jesus. Why, Isaiah says, because they trust you. They trust you. Now, I want to be clear here. It is not my intention today to diminish the importance of, for instance, counseling or, or research or godly advice or any of the other things that we, we sometimes use in order to discern the best way forward. Those things are important and they are helpful. But I think, I think, I think that too often we are using those things as stand-ins for the process of actually growing up. 
Instead of doing the work to develop some maturity, instead of taking the long-term approach to actually growing up, we ignore that and we say, well, I'm just going to try and figure this one thing out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and get a, a stronger faith branch. I'm going to try and get a stronger uh, wisdom branch. I'm going to try and get a stronger this branch or the other branch. And we need to take a time out. We need to step back and say, God, I'm a little seed and I never worked on my root system. But if I work on my root system, oh, am I going to grow strong? Oh, am I going to grow up? Oh, am I going to have big, beautiful branches with leaves and fruit in season? Oh, am I going to flourish? Let me say this. The kingdom of God wasn't designed for seeds who are content to lie buried in the soil. We all come into it as that little seed, right? But the kingdom wasn't designed for seeds who are content to lie buried in the soil. The kingdom was made so that you might flourish. The kingdom of God was made so that you might flourish. And the key to your flourishing is your connection to Jesus. So prioritize your connection to him because he has all wisdom. There is no question that Jesus can't answer. There is no riddle that Jesus can't solve. There is no situation or circumstance that can confuse Jesus. No obstacle that leaves Jesus stymied. And yet our world is looking really anywhere else to find answers, aren't they? Now that shouldn't surprise us. Of course the world is looking elsewhere because they don't know Jesus. But you know what? We do. We do know Jesus. And yet... Lists of Christian best-selling books are filled almost completely with self-help. Why is that? I looked up, actually, this month's list of best-selling Christian books. And let me tell you what I found on that list. If you want to read through that list, you will find that Dave Ramsey is telling us how to manage our money. Sarah Young is telling us that Jesus is calling us. Lisa Turkhurst is telling us to forgive people. Henry Cloud and John Townsend are telling us to maintain healthy relationships. And Max Lucado is telling us that God gives us courage in difficult times. Now, don't get me wrong. I am grateful for Christian authors who write well and who help us grow in our faith. But I can't help but think that we would be selling fewer of these books if we all just did a better job of prioritizing our connection to Jesus. You see, if we all did a better job of prioritizing our connection to Jesus, we wouldn't need Dave Ramsey to tell us how to manage our money. You know why? Because Jesus told us how to manage our money. We wouldn't need Lisa Turkhurst to tell us how to forgive people. You know why? Because Jesus told us how to forgive people. We wouldn't need Henry Cloud and John Townsend to tell us how to have healthy relationships. You know why? Because Jesus told us how to have healthy relationships. I think if we all just did a better job of prioritizing our connection to Jesus, we wouldn't look to others to give us the handouts, the easy meal, the quick solutions to the problems that we suddenly encounter. We just need a better connection to Jesus. But you know what? Paul has an even deeper concern than that. In verse 8, he says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies. Empty philosophies. 
Again, I don't know if anybody here is a friend of Dave Ramsey's. Don't email him and tell him I was dogging him. I got no problem. Like my beef isn't with him, right? I don't think his philosophies are empty. He's telling us what Jesus said. I just think, you know, we could go right to the source. Save the 1999 on his book, right? But Paul says, no, there's a deeper concern. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies. And I, he says, high sounding nonsense. High sounding nonsense. I love the word of God. <laughs> high sounding nonsense. I've heard some of that this week. How many of you have? Look, it's true that there is a lot of good advice out there in the world. It is true that there's a lot of good information. There's a lot of good books and a lot of good articles. There's a lot of good Christians writing on a lot of good things. But it's equally true that there's a lot of bad advice too. It's true that there are a lot of really, really good ideas out there, but it's equally true that there are a lot of bad ideas out there. And the question is this, can a Christian without a strong connection to Jesus tell the difference? I mean, if I stood here today and told you that in the book of Hezekiah, chapter 3, the Lord says, Yea, verily, I say unto you, help thine own self, for even as much as thou doest it, the God of Israel is able to help those who help thine own selves. If I told you that, would you know that it was a lie? Please say yes. Please say yes. Like everything I just said to you is a lie. Do you know that there is no book of Hezekiah? And it doesn't have three chapters in it? Okay, very good. I was really worried about that one coming in here. My point is, there's a lot of things that people will say God says. There's a lot of things that people will say Jesus says. There's a lot of things people will say about the Bible, about Jesus, and they will look good and they will sound smart, smarter than me, when they do it. Can a Christian without a good connection to Jesus tell the difference? And the concern is, I don't think they can. I don't think we can unless we have a good connection to Jesus. Last week, we acknowledged the unfortunate fact that there is a lot of stuff said about Jesus that just isn't true. And if you spend any significant time trying to learn about Jesus, you are inevitably going to hear some of it. You are inevitably going to hear a lot of it. The surest way to avoid that problem is to spend more time learning from God's word than you do learning about God's word. Okay, I love devotionals. Get yourself a good devotional. Get yourself a good, you know, one thought a day kind of a thing. Get yourself a good, my utmost for his highest, whatever it is you're going to read. But please, 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 please spend more time reading your Bible than you spend reading your devotional. We need to be able to do that. We need to place a higher priority on our connection to Jesus than we place on our research regarding Jesus. Because he is the source of all wisdom. Make a point of beginning and ending all of your learning with him. 1998, the Bulls won the last of their six championships in the 90s. And almost immediately, they dismantled the team. That was the year that made us all cry, right? Michael retired, and Phil Jackson was dismissed, and Scotty moved on, and Dennis moved on, and most of the veterans moved on, and we were left with a shambles of a team that the front office thought they were going to be able to rebuild into contenders. How'd that work? One of the first changes or one of the first additions they made was in the NBA draft. Just about a month after they won the championship and and gutted the team was the NBA draft. 
And in the first round that year, the Bulls drafted a player by the name of Corey Benjamin. Corey Benjamin coincidentally played the same position Jordan played. Uh, and he was a highly athletic, high motor kind of guy, gifted scorer, and cocky as the day is long. And he came into the Bulls camp and, and the season began, and he's got all of these kind of journeyman veterans around him, a couple of which had played with the great teams, but none of which were cornerstones of those teams. And so Corey had a lot of expectations on his shoulders. There were a lot of, uh, he had a lot of opportunities and he thought he was all that. And so in practice, he would play the other players one-on-one -on -one, and he'd score on them and he'd do this. And he was a gifted trash talker. And he would tell them, man, you guys aren't anything. You know, if only you had me on those other teams, you wouldn't have won six championships. You would have won 10, you would have won 12, whatever. It's going on and on and on. One day in practice, Corey Benjamin says, you know, I watched you guys last year when I was in college. And Michael, man, he, he was getting old. He was slowing down. I'll tell you what, I'll bet you I could beat him one-on-one -on -one right now. That's how good I am. And that's how much he slowed down. Well, he happened to say that in earshot of Randy Brown, who was one of the few veterans on the team who had played with Jordan on those championship teams. And Randy didn't like what he heard. And so Randy made a phone call that evening. And the next day at Bulls practice, who should walk into the building but Michael Jeffrey Jordan. This next part is actually on YouTube. There were cameras that, there that day that filmed it. You can go to YouTube and, and, and see it if you want. The day Michael Jordan showed up in Bulls practice. And he looked at the team and he saw Corey at the end of the bench and he said, you, here, now. And Michael and Corey played one-on-one. -on -one. And Michael destroyed him. And Michael, as most of you guys know, as gifted a basketball player as he was, was even a more gifted trash talker. And so as the game went on, Michael is giving Corey a firm verbal scolding. And at one point, he's holding the ball and he's saying, okay, Corey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dribble right over there to that spot. I'm going to stop, I'm going to pull up, and I'm going to shoot it. Are you ready? And Corey's defending him. And then Michael does exactly what he just said he was going to do and scores. Corey couldn't stop him even though he knew what was going to happen. And when the game was over, Michael took the ball, chucked it at him, turned around and said, now don't ever make me come back here again. And he walked out the building. <laughs> I love the Bulls. <laughs> I love Michael. Here's why I tell you that story. Even though Corey Benjamin knew where Michael was going to go, even though he had all the wisdom he needed in that moment, he couldn't do anything about it because he lacked the ability. It's one thing to be wise. It's one thing to know what's going to happen. It's one thing to know what should be done, but it is something else entirely to actually have the ability to do it. That's the difference between Michael Jordan, who we all know, and Corey Benjamin, who a lot of us probably never heard of. We could not call Jesus the Savior if all he had was good advice. That's not what we do with great teachers. We don't call great teachers savior. We call great teachers gurus. They aren't saviors. But Jesus is our savior. And that's because he wields all power. 
There's a deep misunderstanding that I've noticed in the way some Christians described Jesus. It's subtle, but you'll pick up on it when we talk about Jesus. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've noticed it as well. Some people talk about Jesus as if he was God's press secretary. Like God is in heaven and God is making all the decisions. God is getting everything done. God is taking care of business. And Jesus just came down to earth to explain it to all of us. God is big and powerful and unapproachable. And so he had Jesus handle his PR, right? That's the way we think about Jesus sometimes. Maybe it's a little bit like working in a big company. And maybe some of you have had this experience in your careers where you work for the company and the boss is in his corner office and it's, it's unapproachable and it's distant and you've never really met him. He just is in there calling out of the shots. Nobody seems to know him, but you're pretty sure he's grumpy and you know that he's unapproachable. And so what does a boss like that do? A boss like that uh, equips some middle manager some friendly middle manager, hands-on guy that's gonna smile and tell you the company's just thrilled to have you on board and we're all in this together. The middle manager is gonna handle all of the day-to-day issues and, and do his best to make sure the employees feel loved and valued, but don't even try to make an appointment with the boss. If, if you need something from the boss, just, just discuss it with the manager and he's gonna tell you, oh, I'll do my best to, to bring it up with the big guy. I'll put in a good word for you. But it never seems to work out that way. Anybody ever have a workplace environment like, like that, Garrett? Don't raise your hand. Uh, <laughs> look, if that's how you sometimes feel about how Jesus stands in relationship to us or how Jesus stands in relationship to the Father, then you've missed out on what Paul is saying here. He says it in verse 9. He says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. All the fullness of God is is right there in Jesus. In our metaphor, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying Jesus doesn't work for the boss. Jesus is the boss. He is God. So no matter what you're looking to accomplish, it can only be accomplished if it is accomplished according to the power of Jesus. There is no other power worth considering. There is no other power worth utilizing or trying to leverage, because Jesus is the one who wields all power. So let's get down to the good news here. Paul is saying that all we need in order to flourish is to prioritize our connection to Jesus because he has all wisdom and because he wields all power. Right? Are we square? We got that much? Have you seen these internet service commercials? They come from a variety of different uh, companies, but they're all kind of the same. They want you to to sign up with them to get your internet service. And they advertise, we have the best speeds, right? And they tell you that they have the best speeds. And they use words that I don't fully understand, words like megs and gigs and G's. And if you have some questions, ask Brian Carlson. I'm sure he'd be more than happy to explain it to you. But they say all of these things about how many megs and G's of gigs they have and how that equates to you having better internet connection and better speed on your devices. But then there's the fine print, right? And what does the fine print tell us? How fast is your internet connection actually going to be? Well, the truth is it depends on a lot of things. It depends on where you live because not all the speeds are available in all areas, right? 
It, it depends on what kind of modem you have. You might have the fastest internet service provider in the world, but if you have some old clunky modem, it's only going to get through into your house and a certain speed. It depends what kind of router you use. It depends how many devices you're using at once. It depends on what time of day it is. It depends on the settings of your device itself. Some of us have computers or phones or tablets that have settings in them that are saying only go this fast. Doesn't matter how fast the internet service provider is, you're only going to go as far as the settings on your device are. There are so many things when it comes to internet speed that can keep you from accessing what you think you paid for. But not so with Jesus. Once you've signed on, there is no fine print. There are no hidden details that limit the amount of Jesus you have access to. Every word he spoke, every promise he made, every victory he won is yours. When you develop a healthy connection to Jesus, he is all yours. He is all yours. Everything he is, everything he has, it's all yours. So we say he has all wisdom and he wields all power, but he is all yours. We all come to Jesus broken. Every one of us is imperfect. The impact of sin has left its mark on us. In so many ways, we are just like that seed lying in the soil. When we come to Jesus, we're not everything that God intended for us to be. We are missing so much. No stem, no branches, no leaves, no flowers, no fruit. But look what happens when we prioritize our connection to Jesus. Paul said it in verse 10. He says, so you also are complete through your union with Christ. What happens when we prioritize that connection, that union, as he puts it here, we're made complete. And that's because the connection is what's joining us to the only one who is complete. The only one who is complete. Through that connection, we participate in the fullness of Christ. And here's what that means, practically speaking. When you have prioritized a strong connection to Jesus, you have everything you need. That's, that's my sermon today. I'm going to ask Jenna and Hannah to come up, and I'm going to preach my sermon one more time. When you have prioritized your strong connection to Jesus, you have everything you need. That's it. Psalm chapter 34, verse 10 says, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Everything you need, everything I need, everything we need. You're looking for wisdom. You feel like that little plant that says, my wisdom branch needs to grow. I wish my wisdom branch was a little bit stronger and a little bit more fruitful. Well, it's not gonna get that way because you work hard at wisdom. It's not going to get that way because you make a list of all the wisdom verses and you read all the wisdom books. It's going to get that way when you connect to the source. You're looking for strength? Maybe it feels like the obstacles in life are overwhelming and too big for you and you're saying, man, I need a, I need a better strength branch. I need a little bit more fruit when it comes to my, 
my ability to be strong in the face of adversity. Well, look, that is not going to happen by trying to figure out everything you can figure out about strength. Just work on the connection. Work on the root system. Some of you today are looking for restoration. You're saying, well, if I'm a plant, I'm a plant that got stepped on. My stem is, is broken over sideways. My leaves fell off, and I don't even know what's going on with my branches. The gardeners in the room will tell you that that plant can be saved. But you know what you gotta do? You gotta feed the roots. You gotta feed the roots. You gotta make sure that plant is gonna be strong. Some of you today are just saying, hey, look, it's this simple. I'm looking for a miracle. That's okay. That's okay. That's not a sign of weakness. That's not a sign of, I gave up. I don't know what to do. No, no, no. That's part of the faith journey. Am I right? Some of us are saying today, I'm looking for a miracle. And the temptation would be to say, is there a miracle branch out there? Maybe, maybe if I go to the right service. Maybe if I go to the right seminar. Maybe if I read the right book. Well, maybe if we just worked on a better connection to Jesus. Maybe if we worked on a better connection to the one who is the source of the miracles. Maybe if we plugged in to a miracle working God. Maybe that would be better. We could go on and on and on. I, I wrote in my notes, provision. Isn't that one of the big ones we face? Some of us are saying, I feel like my faith is good. I feel like my circumstances are right in, in, in so many other ways, but I struggle to, to see how God is providing for me what I need. And so we chase, we chase opportunities. Maybe this job would be better. Maybe if I invest over here and do this, maybe if I get a hold of this, maybe if I do this other thing. And I think, I think sometimes Jesus is saying maybe work on the root system. Maybe if you prioritize your relationship with me. Jesus took all of these ideas and he summed them up. He said, you know, you're thinking about this and you're thinking about that and you're thinking about the other thing and you're trying to figure this out. You're trying to figure that out because you want to grow big and you want to grow strong want to be great. No, I'm not calling you stuck on yourself. I'm just saying, I get it. You want to be great in the kingdom. You're trying to figure all of these things out. Stop. Stop, 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 stop. I'm paraphrasing what Jesus said, by the way. Stop. First, in other words, your number one priority, seek the kingdom of God. This kingdom that I'm here to announce, this kingdom for which I am the gateway, I am the door, I am the herald, make that your number one priority. And when you do that, all that other stuff that you were talking about, all the branches you think you need, all the leaves you want to produce, all the fruit that should be on those branches, all the other things, you know what I'm saying, they're going to be added unto you. That's what Jesus said. Sometimes I think we need to just be reminded of that. And so we hear a pastor speak a, a, a sermon 
He sang a song, whatever he said, I will build my life upon his word. You see? See what they did? We need to be reminded of that today. Can we just sing those, those last few lines together, church? I'm going to invite you to stand if you'd like. We're going to conclude with just a song of devotion this morning to these, to these thoughts.
We can't figure it all out by this afternoon. We can't figure it all out by tomorrow. But that's not the point. We're going to grow each and every day. We are growing up. It's what we're doing. So Father, help us in that regard. Remind us of those things. Remind us, Lord, that our process was not made complete when you planted us in the ground. That was just getting born again. Now, (laughs) now we're growing up. And growing up involves making a good connection to the source of everything we need. Help us to avoid the temptation of running from crisis to crisis, from moment to moment, from idea to idea, trying to solve the latest problem. And instead, Lord, would you help us to cultivate lives that are rooted deeply in your word and in your love? that we might flourish. Your kingdom was meant for our flourishing. And every one of us who finds ourselves in you has access to every promise of God. Help us to not settle for anything less than that. We are your children. And we pray in that confidence in the name of our Savior, not our teacher, not our guru, but our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. God bless you.